Today, we're going to speak with Brenda Geiger, who wanted to be a figure skater when she was little, but instead she grew up to be an estate planning attorney. She helps people realize that in California, if you have done no planning, your family could wind up paying up to 8% of the gross estate. That's not the net estate. That's the gross estate, not including the loans that you have against your property. She talks about how planning can save your family not only headaches, but also money in today's episode of Rock Your Retirement. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. This is Kathy Klein. Welcome to Rock Your Retirement. This is the show where we help you have a great retirement. We don't talk about money. We don't talk about insurance. We talk about all the other things that you're going to need to know when you retire. Or if you're already retired, we help you have a better retirement. We help you rock your retirement in certain areas such as social and family, entertainment and travel, volunteer work and philanthropy, matters of the spirit and soul, sex. Yes, sometimes we talk about that too. Last of all, we talk about ways to help your parents or others who might need your help now or in the future. Baby boomers are the sandwich generation and we want to help you manage that too. We want to make sure that you're passionate about your retirement and we want to help you rock your retirement. Our guest today is Brenda Geiger, who is an estate planning attorney in San Diego. And I am looking at a huge stack of books that Brenda has written. She didn't give me a bio, but I happen to know her. I didn't know what a fantastic author she was. So she has secrets of great estate planning. She has estate planning secrets of the affluent. She has protecting your children's IRA inheritance with a retirement protector trust. She has protecting an aging parent from a long-term care financial crisis in California. Protecting you and your business, a practical guide for California business owners. How to avoid the catastrophic costs and effects of long-term care, and boy, don't I know about that. And safeguarding the nest. So, Brenda, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, um, I just want to say thank you for having me on today. I'm really excited to be here. And, um, you know, I'm a local uh, attorney in San Diego, Carlsbad to be specific, which is the north part of San Diego. But I see clients all over Southern California, and I even have some up in the Bay Area. Um, And we usually do Skype or FaceTime, and occasionally they come even drive down or fly down and see me, but California is where I practice. And basically, I do trust and estate law, and uh, anywhere from a middle uh, income, middle asset range, all the way up into the high net worth. So I've got kind of a range of clients that I've been servicing for the last 12 years. I can't believe you've been doing this for 12 years. I know. It seems like a blink of an eye has just gone by. It seems like we met. I don't know how long it's been. For for my listeners, uh, Brenda and I have known each other for a long time. Yeah. And um, I met her when I was actually a financial advisor. 
So I sent a lot of clients to her, and I thought that she would be a great guest on this show. But wow, 12 years. I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and we also help business owners, too. So, But uh, I think the main part of the business is the estate planning and uh, trust and estates, trust administration, probate work, but mostly planning. So we try to avoid probate by planning ahead. Isn't probate really expensive? Yeah, yeah. It's it's on average five to eight times more expensive uh, for the heirs when they push it through a probate, and it takes a lot longer to administer an estate in a probate. In San Diego County here, we used to have a courthouse up here in the North County, and that got shut down about three years ago because of budget cuts. So all of our probates now are funneled through the downtown probate court. How long does it take? You know, I think on average for me, in my experience, it's been taking anywhere from 15 to 24 months, depending on how complicated the matter is. Wow, over a year. And what if somebody needs money in the meantime? They can't get it, can they? Um, Sometimes we can ask the judge for an early distribution, but there's a lot of hoops that you have to run through. and, And, you know, you have to account to the court for everything that is paid out of the estate. And, and it's a set fee, right? Yeah, there's a statutory fee. And basically on the first 100000 it's 4% to the attorney, 4% to the executor. On the next 100000 of value, it's uh, 3% to the attorney, 3% to the the executor. And then on amounts between 200000 and a million, I believe it's 2% to the trustee. Oh. I'm sorry, to the executor, 2% to the attorney. Wow. What if somebody has a million-dollar house with a $900,000 mortgage? Well, the fee is calculated on the million-dollar value, not wow. the interest. Yeah. See, that's, I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. So yeah. I'm so glad that you're on the show to explain that to people because they might not have enough money in the estate to pay for the probate. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> even more devastating, I think, though, is that you can't protect what you're leaving behind for kids or for anybody else, you know. So there might be some planning that you want to do for a spouse or um, planning that you want to do for a child to protect them from a bankruptcy, from a divorcing spouse, from a creditor, from, you know, a business that fails. So there are a lot of unique things that we can do inside of a trust that if you just let it run through the probate system, we're just not able to do. Well, I'm so glad that you're here. So tell me, what when you were young, did you think, you know, wow, I want to become a, a state planning attorney when people were thinking <laughs> they wanted to be a princess or they wanted to be a truck driver? What, what did you want to be when you were little? Um, gosh, you know, I think when I was real little, I wanted to be a figure skater, but oh, I grew wow. up in the Midwest and, you know, so I, I figure skated, but... Um, I don't really know that I even knew exactly. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. I wanted to be a psychologist. A psychologist. So I went and got my degree in psychology and realized that the type of psychology I wanted to do, which was kind of the CSI profiler, you know, do the forensic psychology. That's that's pretty fun. But but kind of gory, right? It's gory. (laughs) And uh, I wanted to have children and a family. And I thought, well, this is probably not the best career for me. I'm going to be going down that path, which, you know, I did. And that can be really stressful, seeing, you know, crime scenes all day. And then how are you going to be nice to your family after seeing some, you know, 13-year-old gunshot victim? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I, I changed that when I took a business law class and I got the top grade. And I thought, oh, wow, wow. I, I have a, an aptitude for this. And it is really interesting. 
I read the DuPont case, which was about um, espionage, somebody flying over and taking aerial pictures of plant and trying to duplicate oh, wow. their trade secrets. Yeah, it was really fascinating. It was in my business law class. And I thought, wow, this is really cool stuff. Maybe I will think about law school. And and here you are. And, and here I am. Well, tell me, what other kinds of jobs did you have? Maybe in, did you work while you were in college? Or Yes, I, I put myself through college, so I usually worked two or three jobs at a time. Um, I worked as a veterinary technician. I worked at um, my aunt's antique mall in Escondido. Uh, I think I even worked for a short period of time at 7-Eleven, clerking for them, maybe in, during a summer or something. Wow. Yeah, I know. Crazy jobs. And my first job was Wendy's, but that was... Long time ago. Way, like 16. But my kids always ask me, where did, what was your first job? That's pretty cool. So they cool. remember it. Yeah. And then I became a paralegal. Um, when I graduated from college, I had my paralegal degree from USD so that I could figure out if this was the right path. And it turned out it was because now you have a very successful law firm. Yeah, I'm, get, I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I keep seeing your firm grow. And uh, didn't you just have a grand opening? Yeah, yeah. We just moved our office um, off the five, off Palomar Airport Road, to a space about twice the size of what we did have, just because we were busting out of the other office. And so we're hoping this will hold us for another five years until our lease is up. Keep our fingers crossed. But you're growing <laughs> so fast because you're, you know, obviously your clients like what you're doing for them. So I hope so. so I that's hope so. great. So tell me, how do you get um, new clients? Do they come from financial advisors? Do they come from advertisements? How do people find out about you? Um, I have traditionally not been an advertiser, although I did dip my toe into that recently in the Zip Codes magazine. So I did a, a double truck ad is what they call it. It's a two-page ad. And um, it was actually not for the firm itself, but for the new book that I have. Uh, and which one is that? For the uh, Estate Planning Secrets of the Affluent. Okay. So that was my brand new book with attorney David Fries, who's a Pennsylvania attorney. So it's more um, national in in uh, scope because we're talking about federal laws mostly in that book. Um, so people that are subject to the estate tax, there might be some reasons why they'll want to take a look at some of the strategies we talk about in the book to save those kinds of taxes. But And where can they get that book? Is it on Amazon? Or? It is on Amazon, and I believe it's in Barnes & Noble now, but um, it's also available on my website. I do have a, uh, a uh, request form, and I think it's we're getting ready to roll out a brand-new website within literally a week, but it's on the existing site as well as it'll be on the new site too, so anybody who wants to check it out there they can and you have a special code for anybody that's listening to this podcast right uh, i believe i do and if we can't remember what it is we'll put it in the show notes so that you'll get a special discount yeah i think uh should we use the name of the show uh sure sure okay are you talking about rock your rock yeah. your retirement yeah why don't you put rock your retirement in if you if you want to get that book for free off my site Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so just welcome. put Rock Your Retirement in the notes and you'll she'll send you this book for free. How can <laughs> you we, beat a deal like that? And we sell it for $50. So. $50? Yeah. So that's an awesome gift. Thank yeah. you very You're much. Welcome. You're welcome. Okay, yeah. great. Well, tell me, tell me um, how do you help? So the, the listeners to this show are typically baby boomers. Mm -hmm. And baby boomers obviously need what, what you do, but usually people don't think about this until they get into their older ages. And I remember when you and I first met, you were talking 
to, to parents of young children. So tell me a story about one of your clients and how you helped, whether they're older or younger, just something that you think would, that would, would interest our baby boomer uh, listeners. Uh, there's a lot of different stories. Um, well, I'll tell an old, older client and a younger client. So we'll, okay. we'll start with the younger client. So one of my clients years ago that came to me, um, she was probably in her mid to late thirties and her husband was the same. He was a sheriff and he was a skydiving instructor on the weekends and they were not my clients prior to this, but unfortunately her husband died in a tragic accident skydiving. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was, it was really, really a trying time for her. I remember seeing all of the emotional stuff that she had to go through. Not only that, but we had to probate the estate because the, the house was in husband's name only, and that was only because of her credit. So the reason I'm telling the story is because this could affect anybody at any age. Right. So, um, you know, in fact, I just had a client come in this morning that is a partner in a law firm, and uh, he's, you know, early 40s. So is his wife. They have two young children. House is just in his name, and for the same purpose. You know, and plus he's got an interest in his, in the large law firm that he belongs to. So, um, in, in life insurance and other assets. So same kind of thing, but back to the original story about the probate. So she came in, he had a big, uh, brokerage account, maybe had four or 500,000 in it in the house. And then they had some joint accounts together. So the joint accounts I wasn't worried about because those were just joint tenancy would go straight over. So you don't have to worry about probate. Yeah. We didn't have to worry about probate there, but because I had two minor children, and under the probate statute, she couldn't locate a will on him. She said he had one, but she couldn't find it. Oh, no. So if it would have said something other than that in the will, we could have submitted the will to probate, and everything could have shifted to her, which is typically how most couples do it if they have a will. Right. But really, they should have had a trust, and they should have put the house and the brokerage account in the trust. And then even if it was a separate property asset, which she was telling me it wasn't meant to be, it's just the way they had things titled, um, the... Under the probate code, uh, the default intestacy was two-thirds to those kids that were four and seven, and the remaining one-third of the house and the brokerage account was to go that, to her. That's in California? Yeah. I thought the wife got half. Well, if you have one child. Oh, yeah. so if you have 10 kids, the wife only gets one-tenth? No, I think it's two-thirds <laughs> if there's more than one child. Um, I believe I'd have to go back and look at my case notes, but I believe oh that that's gosh. how it was structured. Yeah. I had no idea. I thought yeah. community property gave the wife half of everything. So well, I just learned something. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. So it, it just, it, it's because it was titled in his name only. It was oh. presumed to be a separate property asset. So, wow. And I believe in that case, he may have acquired the house before marriage, but it was meant to be their asset together. So there's a lot of details that d it depends on the situation, but we had to get the kids represented by a separate attorney. I had oh, to negotiate no. an agreement with that attorney. It took two and a half years to run this thing through the probate system. Oh, my and, gosh. And she didn't want to be entitled to the house with the kids, so she had to give up a, you know, a pretty significant amount of that brokerage account to offset the amount that would go oh, to her no. under title. And do the, the kids get it when they're 18? Exactly. And she was horrified by that. So <sighs> all of the remaining assets that she had, she immediately set up a trust, and we set up protective provisions for those Thank goodness. Those kids. Yeah. In fact, ironically, I think she called like a week or two ago 
just to say hello. She didn't talk to me. She talked to somebody on the team, but saying that she wanted to come in and do some updates. But this was, you know, five, six years ago. Oh, my gosh. And I have to tell you, um, I usually don't like to talk about finance or insurance because that's not what this show is about. But I can tell you that when I was a financial advisor, if there was a death, the money... I, I had clients who had five, six hundred thousand dollars that they'd scraped and saved their entire life, and the money went to their kid or their spouse or whoever. The money, ninety percent of the time, gone in eighteen months. Yeah. And if you're eighteen, that money's yeah. gone. My well, my sister inherited some money when she was eighteen. She inherited a house from my grandmother. Sold the house. Boom, money was gone and. I think three months. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but I think somebody that's young might do some damage to themselves with that money. Exactly. Maybe not decide not to go to college because they've got this big pile of money, or um, they might buy an expensive car and get in an accident in the car. Or worse. Yeah. Or worse. There was actually, that happened, I think it was not this last Christmas, but the Christmas before. I wrote about it in my newsletter, but there was um, a connection to the Padre family. Uh, I think the uh, the owner's nephew was racing around, he's 21, was racing around in Rancho Santa Fe in some experimental oh, car. Oh, I think I heard about, that. about that. Somebody died. Yeah, he they, died. He got oh hit by gosh. broadsided going around a corner too fast. But oh my gosh. the point is, is how did this kid end up with this $100,000 experimental race car and why is he driving it around? Somebody gave him that car. And I'm just, my whole point with it is that when we're young, sometimes we make decisions we wouldn't make later on in life because we know better. But exactly. at that age, we just don't know better. So there's just so many things that you want to try to help people protect themselves from or their, your, your kids from or grandkids from. I completely agree. I think giving young kids large sums of money is not good for them. No. On you so know. many different levels. Exactly. For so <laughs> many reasons. So that was a story about somebody that was young. What about an older, you know, what about a story, you know, with somebody who maybe was trying to help their parents or something like that? Do you have a story like that to tell? Um, yeah. So, well, maybe I'll tell you two different stories. So one is about, you know, I've had uh, clients come in that have done protective planning for a spouse or maybe a, chi or a child's doing some protective planning for their, for their parent. Um, so I had a client come in, my gosh, maybe six, eight months ago. And it's, it was a client of mine that brought in her parents and mom is starting to suffer from early stages of dementia, still has capacity, but, you know, definitely going down that road. And they knew well enough that, Hey, you know, we've got a house and we've got a little bit of money, but really based on their ages and their life expectancies, they've got a ways to go. And if they need to, to seek out care, um, do we want to have to have them sell the house and, and burn through every single penny that they have before the ability to get government benefits? So there is some planning that can be done proactively to avert that. And what we did is we set up an irrevocable trust. It's a Medicaid asset protection trust. We transfer the house to the trust. Um, but, you know, you're giving away the assets, so this is only good for families that are you know, close and, and that we have a trusting, loving relationship with. But, you know, they still reserve the right to live there and rent-free and, and everything stays the same on their tax return so they can still deduct all of the interest and, and things that they can normally that's on a house. Good. Yeah. And that's a national thing. And in California, I've heard that, I don't, I don't know if this is true or not, that 
you can have assets in California. It's a share of cost for Medi-Cal. Do you know anything about yes. that? Yes. So what that means is, let's say you have a husband and wife. We'll use the same couple I just um, told you about. Um, in that case, I think wife has a small amount that she gets through Social Security. It was like six or $700 a month. Okay. And... Um, you know, the the husband, he had like 3500 I think, through his VA disability pension. So that's his income that comes to him. But let's say his wife is the one that needs, you know, uh, some long-term care down the road and, and he can't keep her at home. I mean, the idea is to keep her at home. Of course. But if it, it ends up in a situation, you know, she has a stroke or something else bad happens and he can't take care of her around the clock, you know, he's not doing so great himself. He's retired, disabled vet. Right. Um, you know, they may need to get that kind of assistance. So what happens is her income would be shifted to the facility. Okay. So that's the, what the share of cost is, but she can't own more than $2,000 in her own name. So part of the planning that we did was we took some of their joint assets that were in their joint trust and we moved them to dad's name so that he could have control of them. And then some of the assets like the house and a few other things we transferred over to that irrevocable trust. That makes total sense. Yeah. And then there are some other benefits you can get for being a veteran in a war, right? Some yeah, kind of... wartime vets. There is uh, a thing called aid in attendance, but that is a, um, a needs-based program. And the requirements are slightly different than Medicaid or in California Medi-Cal. So it's, it's a very complex type of planning. And it is a, a little bit challenging to do, but it can be done. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Well, thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. I hear stories like that all the time where people need to go into a long-term care facility and they didn't buy insurance. And I have to tell you, I was so lucky. I bought long-term care insurance when I was 40. And I bought it through my work because I worked, you know, I was a financial advisor. I worked in an insurance office and we were all, you know, about insurance and I bought this long-term care insurance, and about three, four months ago, I did, I, t- I turned 50, the, uh, I turned 50 in 2015, along with Medicare. You don't look it. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me feel really good. Well, but, I'm, I'm telling the truth. Well, thank you. So, so I turned 50, and I thought, mm, well, let's check to see what the same policy would cost. And first of all, they don't sell the policy that I bought anymore. Um, I was looking for a um, a policy that had a five percent inflation rate and was six thousand a month and would last forever. So if I went into a long term care facility, let's say tomorrow I got into a skiing accident, you know, became completely disabled and lived to be a hundred, I wanted the policy to last forever. First of all, I couldn't find a policy like that. I found a policy that had a one year waiting period. And uh, that policy for me was over 12000 a year. Oh, my goodness. And I hear radio talk show hosts, a very famous one that I'm not going to name, tell people to wait until they're 60 to buy long-term care insurance. And I'm telling you, you won't be able to afford it if you wait. So, <laughs> Yeah. In, in the, I think that in the, in the not-too-distant future, those policies are going to disappear altogether from the market, to be honest with you. Well, because the the insurance companies weren't expecting people to live to be a hundred. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's too many people that are utilizing them, and they're just they can't make them economically work. 
So I just hope my company doesn't go out of business. (laughs) I'm counting on my company. That's the the insurance commissioner (laughs) will take care of it, I'm sure. So what was that guy's name that used to wish people happy birthday on the news um, when they turned 100? Do you know who I'm talking about? I know who you're talking about, but I... Uh, are you talking about the national guy? Yeah. He used to wish people oh, happy birthday. Boy. I can't recall. Yeah, yeah, me neither. So if any of our listeners recall the name of the um, the person who used to wish people happy birthday when they turned 100, send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com and I'll put it in the show notes. But my point is, they don't do that anymore. Yeah. Because there's too many people turning 100. <laughs> <laughs> so it would take too long. So anyway... Um, okay, so we have a few minutes left, and we talked a little bit about um, some people that you've helped. Tell me about a typical day in your business. What's a typical day in the life of Brenda Geiger? What do you, what would you do on a typical day if there is a typical day? Uh, well, I can tell you what I did today. Okay. Um, I got up early, got the kids ready for school, worked with my son on his fourth grade mission project which I don't know how many of you had children or went through it yourselves I had actually somebody that I went to lunch with today CPA that's older than me that remembers doing it herself I know what's a mission project um where the you know there are 21 California missions okay so the kids make a model of the mission and they do a report so my son's prevent presenting on his tomorrow. So I've been helping him and my husband's been helping him with the putting this model together from scratch, no kit, because they won't let us use a That's kit. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I've been having super glue on my hands and clay and everything else for the so last two So fess weeks. up. How much of it are you doing? <laughs> okay, oh, don't fine. tell me. Don't I, tell me. I don't me. want his teacher to know. <laughs> I know it's funny. We have these parents that do the entire projects for their kids and you're like, okay, I know a kid did not do that, you know, when the Taj Mahal gets built. Or, well, or mine, mine doesn't look so great. So they, they probably would not even know that he had help. But yeah, they, they know the parents are going to have to help and we did make him do a lion's share of it, but of course it's his project. Yeah, but so. then uh, got ready, came into work, met with my first client this morning, which was the attorney and his wife to do their their planning. Um, his one of the partners in his firm is my client, so okay. you asked earlier how I get clients. A lot of times, clients will send me uh, other clients that they are either colleagues or friends or family members. Um, other times it's, uh, other attorneys in the community or CPAs or financial advisors. But then after I met with them, I, uh, did a, my wrap up on my paperwork for that and gave it off to my secretary. And then I got shot in the car and went and met with a CPA for lunch down the road, came back, um, got ready for another phone appointment with a client that moved to the East coast. Okay. Um, they, their estate has grown to almost $9 million now and, and almost tripled since the last time I talked to them a couple of years ago. They, That's amazing considering the stock market. Yeah, he works, he has company stock, and the stock just keeps oh, growing and growing. So very nice. Had to, to you know, they don't want to uh, let go of the relationship with me, which I totally appreciate because I really like them a lot. And, and now when you go to the East Coast, it's a tax write-off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's and perfect. And then... Um, then after I wrapped up with them, I met with a sophisticated CPA that does high net worth tax planning because we are planning on a client's estate that has about $40 million. And 
it was, a lot of it was inherited. So now we're trying to avert the estate tax by planning. And then here I am. Okay. That meeting. Having a glass of wine with me. Yes. So thank you so much. I, I, uh, it's really great to sit down and learn more about you. So what do you think that people need to know before they retire? So I usually ask my guests a couple of questions. And one of them is, what do you think people need to know before they retire? What is one piece of advice that you would give them that they need to know? Um, I think they need to be thinking about how their retirement plans are structured. Um, usually when somebody separates from employment, they have a 401k often. So okay. they need to start thinking about what they're going to do with the management of that. Cause I know when it's in a 401k, you can't always choose the types of investments. They may want to roll that into an IRA. And I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not give that's the disclaimer here is that's not financial advice. It's just that it's something to be thinking about. Um, and then also a lot of people don't realize this, but when you transfer that kind of asset to somebody else, let's say a child, you can execute a stretch or they, I'm sorry, rather your child can execute a stretch on that money. So the law changed in 2003 and a lot of people would be absolutely flabbergasted if they found out how much that can turn into if their child stretches. So number one, you know, make sure you're talking to your kids about this so they know about it. Number two, think I'm about... I'm going to interject something yes. because my old financial planning days. So yes. not everybody knows what a stretch is. And why don't you tell us, just unless you want me to, what a stretch, what does that mean? Um, so stretch means that if you tell the custodian of the IRA or 401k or other type of retirement plan, a qualified plan, that you are, you know, you're inheriting it and that you don't want to have to withdraw all of it right now. You just want to be able to take out a small required minimum distribution. There is a table that's called the single life table in the IRS code that tells you what that divisor is that you divide into the total balance. So if you have a million dollar IRA and you don't stretch it, how much tax would that be and how long do you have to take it out? If the beneficiary is located in California, probably right around 57%. Because that's wow. going to put them in the top tax bracket regardless of any other income they have. And they'd have to take it out within five years, right? Um, well, you're, I think you're talking about the five-year payout rule to a trust is what I think you might be referring to. Well, I to. know that when somebody dies, if they haven't stretched their IRA, there's a time period when they have to withdraw it. Do you know what that is? Um, well, it used to be the old rule was um, a five-year payout rule. Okay. But now you, if you tell the custodian, and you have, I believe it's till September in the year after the plan participant's death to notify and, and make sure you make that election. To stretch it. To stretch it. But and if you don't notify, how long do they have to take it out? <sighs> it's like they have to take it out in a lump you know, sum, right? If there's any yeah. financial advisors listening to this show... <laughs> Yeah, that Email us at podcast at rockyourretirement.com <laughs> and we'll put it in the show notes what the what that is or we'll we'll put a link because I'm not really a I mean I do some but I'm not a full-time financial advisor anymore. Yeah. You mean so if the client doesn't do or the the child doesn't do anything. Right, if there's yeah. no stretch then yeah, you know like they'd they have just... to pay 57% on a million dollar IRA, right? Yeah. So having that stretch really helps. Yeah, and especially the younger the beneficiary, the better 
you know, but if you're trying to do this with a grandchild, make sure that you're getting adequate legal advice from somebody who is an expert at this because there are generation skipping transfer tax issues that could come up. But what we do in, with our clients, uh, oftentimes if they have, you know, 300, 400, 500,000 or more in these retirement accounts, we're setting up a special type of a trust called a retirement plan trust. And that's what one of the books is about. Oh, retirement plan trust. Okay. I'll, yeah. have, to, I'll have to check that out. Thank you. You're welcome. And there's some asset protection features for the beneficiaries of that trust. And each individual beneficiary can stretch based on their own life expectancy. So if you've got a swing in age you know, of more than just a couple of years. That so if you have really a second marriage and there's like a 30-year age difference between children? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I've seen that, so yeah. that's why I'm asking. Um, okay, well, that's pretty awesome. Thank you for that. And is that in the new book that you're it, talking about? I believe there's a chapter. Yes, there is a chapter on that in the new book. And then I have a, a specific book that I believe is right there. On, that's the white book underneath protecting let's see protecting that one your children's ira inheritance yeah so that's that on the website too yeah everything's on the website and it's all on amazon.com as well if you if you want to look up brenda geiger g-e-i-g-e-r she's uh, obviously a famous author and i'm i'm honored to have her on my show well thank you thank so you for having me you're welcome. Let's talk about non-money, non-estate planning. So you have many, 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 many clients. Mm -hmm. Some of your clients are probably rocking it financially, but let's talk about rocking your retirement in a different way. Let's talk about people that are on the go. They're, re they're having fun. They're doing some of the things that we talked about when I introduced the show. You know, they've got a, they've either got a great social life or they're volunteering or entertaining or, you know, doing uh, missionary work or whatever it was that they couldn't do when they retired. Do you have any advice for people who are about to retire on things that they might want to think about that have nothing to do with money and nothing to do with estate planning, just in other areas of their life? Um, I think I see a lot of clients traveling. Okay. You know, I think uh, when you retire, you know, that might be a good time to go out and do those kinds of things before you get to a point in your life where you can't really do those those kinds of trips that you've always wanted to do. I see a lot of clients going on cruises, these Viking cruises. seems like they come up all the time, but... Um, cruises you know. are so inexpensive these days. Yeah, be it's, careful that uh, if one goes bankrupt, I had one of my largest clients recently call us and send us some bankruptcy papers, but fortunately she charged the cruise on a credit card so she could do a chargeback. <laughs> so the the cruise lines are going bank. Some of them are going well, bankrupt? Well, this particular one, I don't remember what the name of... Oh uh, my gosh. So make sure you, if you get a cruise, put it on a credit card. <laughs> yeah, so you can do the chargeback. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's good to know. Um, so basically... When you're in your, so there's three types of retirement. There's the go-go years, the slow-go years, and the no-go years. So your advice is if you're in the go-go years, go on a couple of trips. Yeah, do what you, what you really have always wanted to do. Create that bucket list of, you know, the things, you know, some people it's, they wanted to go to Alaska. Some people want to go to Egypt, you know, I mean, just whatever your heart's content is, don't, don't not do it until you can't do it. Right. Well, that's great advice. 
Thank you so much, Brenda, for being on the show. And I want to make sure that our listeners can contact you. So how would our listeners contact you? Would it be phone, email, your website? What? Um, yeah, um, our phone number is 760-448-2220. And our website URL is geigerlawoffice.com. And that's spelled? G E I G E R. L-A-W-O-F-F-I-C-E dot com. Okay, great. And uh, do they email you as well or just email you through the website? Um, I believe they can email info at geigerlawoffice.com. Or you probably have a contact us on your website. And we do have a contact us on our website. Okay, great. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Brenda, so much. This has been such a great time. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me about your business and how you can help my my listeners rock their retirement. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement Show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Are you overwhelmed at the prospect of downsizing, suffering from relocation stress syndrome? Senior move managers are experienced at taking the stress out of a transition to a smaller home. Senior Move Masters has been serving the San Diego County area for 12 years, helping their clients resolve the issue of too much stuff. They'll pack, unpack, arrange, and decorate your new home. Visit our website at SeniorMoveMasters.com to request a free consultation. If you want to be able to walk your dog, go to the gym, do the dishes, or anything else while listening to the show, you can subscribe on the iTunes podcast app or on your Android app, such as Podcast Addict. It makes it so much easier to take the program with you. You can even listen in your car.